Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon. In this episode, we have Rhonda Fraley, who is the founder of The Wine Party Company, which you can find at thewinepartyco.com. And this is such a fun company. They have a variety of wines they offer in these wine packs. They also have the wine club where every other month they send you eight wines. It's very easy. You sign up. Their Sam prepares a selection of mouthwatering boutique and organic wines. They send you wines. You enjoy wines. Everyone is happy. They also have a virtual course. One is like a free course, kind of intro course into wine. They also have a paid course, more in-depth learning, all different things about wine. Such a cool company. I love the concept of it. In this episode, we talk about how this got started, how Rhonda decided to take the leap, take the plunge into entrepreneurship and actually build this company and what she's done to grow it since. As always, the show notes are justgogrind.com slash podcast and you can support the show by leaving a rating and review over an Apple podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hawk Media, a full-service outsourced CMO based in Santa Monica, California, providing guidance, planning, and execution to grow brands of all sizes, industries, and business models. Hawk Media is recognized by Inc. as one of the fastest-growing marketing consultancies, and their collaborative process, a la carte offering, and month-to-month fee structure gave clients the flexibility they need to boost digital revenues and marketing ROI. Hawk Media, the company, has serviced over 1,500 brands of all sizes, ranging from startups like Tomorrow Melon, SIO Beauty, and Bottle Keeper, to household names like Red Bull, Verizon Wireless, and Alibaba. And also, I had the founder and CEO of Hawk Media, Eric Huberman, on the podcast in episode number 23, if you want to take a listen. And to get a free consultation, head on over to hawkmedia.com, and be sure to mention Just Go Grind. Without further ado... Here is Rhonda Fraley, the founder of The Wine Party Company. Rhonda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, so great to chat with you. Love wine, and there's so much to <laughs> dig into with how everything got started. So uh, let, let's go to the beginning, the, the idea and very beginning of uh, The Wine Party Company. How did this get started? Yeah, um, honestly, I had just bought my first house and I wanted a reason to invite people over to celebrate in the new house and have an elegant evening in. So I thought, well, what if I host a wine tasting? And so I started to plan it and I realized as I was, you know, trying to find, you know, nice looking materials and plan out the wines and figure out the food pairings, I immediately felt overwhelmed. And that moment, I kind of had a light bulb come off in my head and you know, I thought I was feeling this way and I know a lot about wine personally. Um, you know, there must be so many people out there who would host an experience and try to enjoy wine. Um, but it's too daunting. The, the whole idea of hosting wine night is really, um, you know, overwhelming and intimidating to people. So I set out on a path to create ways to make wine more approachable. I love it. I love it. Because especially the, around the experience, and that's something a lot of people are, are looking at now, especially you're looking at COVID and people are missing those experiences that yeah. we used to have more of and, you know, trying to do smaller groups and everything with that as well. And understand that you you had this thing you wanted to do. You want to be able to host these events. You want to be able to have friends over and make this into a, a, a nice experience. Like, what did you think then that would be in terms of what this business would look like exactly as this kind of evolved? Yeah, you know, in, in my company has been the story of just ever evolving. <laughs> um, and it certainly didn't follow any path I ever kind of thought that it would. My initial idea was that I would create a um, really a, an at home wine tasting experience. 
So I would, you know, pick, you know, three to five wines and create um, a set of materials that you could use at a party so that anyone could grab those materials and feel comfortable talking about, you know, what color is the wine? How, you know, what are you smelling in the wines? What are the four steps of wine tasting? You know, how do you, you know, really think about, you know, what you liked and didn't like to learn about wine, you know, you know, really expand the palate. And so I ended up creating the cards and selling wine was obviously extremely difficult. So <laughs> I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute. But, um, you know, so, so I kind of created this experience, but, um, you know, it, it ended up being something where it was really hard to explain to people what I was offering because it's not something that's really out there right now. So that's when I kind of pivoted and moved more toward the wine club and the wine course. And I'm hoping to launch my wine tasting card set with the wines later this year, actually, which is going back to the very original idea that I had. <laughs> <laughs> coming coming full circle, Rhonda, I got to yes. love it. <laughs> and for, for context then for people with, with the wine party company right now, like what is it? Can you just give us a little bit of overview? And there's a few things I want to dive into. So what our goal is, is to make wine approachable and just really make it easy to drink great wine and learn about it. I offer a wine tasting course for... For beginners, it teaches the basics of wine. And I also offer a recently released wine club, which curates organic boutique wines from around the world. And we deliver them to your home. That's amazing. And, and with that too, when you had this company, I know you you started with working full time and running this on the side from what I've uh, read about. At what point did you decide to go full time into, into this? Yeah, I had the idea back in 2018. So I was, um, you know, working at Caesars Entertainment at the time. And I, you know, really began to just think about the idea and really being an entrepreneur is something that I just didn't see a lot of people doing. So it was kind of this like crazy idea to try. And so, you know, I was like, well, let me just kind of make this a passion project. Um, and then I moved out to Los Angeles, took a different job at a smaller startup, still in human resources. And I saw so many people being entrepreneurial. Everyone had a side <laughs> hustle. Everyone had a side gig. Everyone was doing their own thing. So that's really when it dawned on me, like, okay, I, I can do this. Like, this is something that people do. This isn't crazy like I thought it was. Um, and so I spent 10 months at the startup, kind of got them to a really good place. Um, that was kind of a, a natural point where I could go. And said, "All right, this is my time. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna take the leap. I think I'm ready, um, and and let's do this thing." Did you end up using your your savings to bootstrap for a while, raise any any funding for this? I'm curious because there's always entrepreneurs who are deciding on taking this leap, and there's a lot to figure out with that. I'm just curious for your path around what you end up doing. Yeah, I I'm bootstrapping, still bootstrapping, <laughs> and I was really my whole plan was just to bootstrap until I had revenue that I would then just pour immediately back into the business. Um, which is a plan that has worked for me so far. Although um, I've been talking to a few friends and they're going the path of um, raising, and so I, I'm I'm interested in that, but I just haven't I just haven't been ready to to explore that for myself yet. Bootstrapping has been okay. <laughs> yeah, and there's been I mean yeah, nothing wrong with that at all. But there's been a number of guests on the show who bootstrap for uh, some of them bootstrap for years, years before they decide to raise funding, and it's a matter of you know deciding how the company evolves and what, what you want it to really become. And uh, there's no right answer, which is the great part of entrepreneurship, yeah. whether it be bootstrapping and using revenue, uh, whether it be trying to do something a little bit more big, bigger with scale uh, that can use some funding. And there's no right answer to that, which is great, which is what I love about entrepreneurship. And for you then, uh, 
understand that you wanted to grow off of just bootstrapping. How are you acquiring kind of the first paid customers for the wine party company? Yeah. So acquiring customers, I really think about, you know, kind of two things that I did. Uh, The first is networking. Um, I'm a part of amazing groups like Dreamers and Doers, uh, the Female Founders Collective. But what's been even the most impactful, and I was actually even a little bit surprised, was the people I've met along my career journey have been so supportive. Um, You know, it's almost kind of scary to put yourself out there as an entrepreneur after being known as like the HR lady for 10 years. Um, But I was really surprised to see how encouraging my network has been. And, you know, people have taken the classes, they've gone to my free webinar, they've joined the club. Um, and that has been um, that has been kind of a big way that I've gotten my like first surge of customers. But also, you know, speaking of my webinar, I did the freemium model for my wine course where I do a one hour webinar, um, and it kind of gives people a taste of what you'll get with the with the full course. And I would recommend this strategy to anyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it, it, it's just really cool. You know, at first people were telling me I was giving away way too much for free. Um, but I knew that a one hour webinar on the huge topic that is wine um, would only really scratch the surface. And so, you know, I would just, for me, it really added value um, and it showed people that they could trust me and, and let them know what they're going to get if they take my bigger class, um, that is a paid virtual product. With this too, then understand the business model behind it. So there's, there's the wine club, which people can order different wines. It comes, I think at the, at the time we're speaking, at least it's every, every two months, I want to say. Um, and they have this side of things. They have the wine classes. Take me through the business model be, behind this in terms of what's kind of the biggest revenue drivers as well. I'm curious. Yeah. So um, the wine club is the product that I just released and it's already my biggest revenue driver, which is really exciting. Um, and this, for me, the, the business model is pretty simple. It's a wine club. I deliver the wines every two months. I just changed it. So it's a monthly payment. Nice. Um, but the, the big thing that I heard from my customers is I don't want to buy wine online because number one, there are so many options. And number two, uh, I don't feel good about paying for shipping. You, you know, you go online, you try to buy wine and they, it costs $28 to ship it or even more sometimes, even if you're getting one or two bottles. And so people would rather just go to the store and just try to figure it out on their own. And so for me, I'm delivering it, delivering the wines every two months because it cuts the shipping in half, um, even though you're still paying for a monthly wine club. And so what I like to say is, you know, you can drink the four wines that are intended for this month or you can drink ahead, whatever you want, however you want to use them, Um, you know. (laughs) Yeah. And then to that point, I mean, if people really wanted, they could just order another subscription. Exactly. Yeah. I I do offer the one-time subscription and I do offer um, some kind of like gift packs or one-time purchases on the site. So, um, or I say one time, it's really, you know, just one shipment, not a subscription. Um, So you get like a red wine only pack or a light wine only pack, just, you know, in case you want to test it out or you want to give it as a gift or you just need more wine for a party when we start partying again. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. COVID, goodness, who knows? Who knows what that will be in terms of how that evolves? And obviously, right now, there's a number of things with whether it be smaller groups or uh, even people being really creative with outdoor things. And there's so many different things people are trying to do because we just crave that experience and that exactly. kind of connection. You know, people are trying to do 
something. We've had enough enough Zoom hangouts. <laughs> we want to somehow be in person, even if it's just six feet away at a beach or something, whatever it may be. And one thing I'm curious about too, with with the evolution of, of your company. So you've gone full time into it a, a year or so ago. Then take me through like your customer acquisition. And we talked a little bit about that before of how obviously your, your network is a huge part of it. And that's what anyone should be doing, especially if the, their network is potential customers. And with that how has it evolved for you and what are you looking at in terms of today of how you're going about new customer acquisition? I know you mentioned the webinar. I'm curious on how you're looking at that today, Rhonda. Yeah. Um, for me now, I'm really doubling down on social media. So, um, you know, I am creating a community of wine drinkers who like to connect over wine and learn about wine online, but also, you know, have a little bit of lighthearted fun. So social media has been a great way for me to um, show people the kind of aesthetic that comes along with the wine club um, and with the wine course itself. Um, and so through social media, I'm sharing the free webinar, um, doing some partnerships, um, I think are pretty exciting. Um, you know, I'm working with, you know, brands that people really love, especially wine drinkers, like women who love wine, um, you know, nice. and coming up with <laughs> little ways to um, market with a lower budget. Um, you know, I tried things in the past, like ads and search engine marketing and things that are wildly expensive. And personally, I didn't experience having a great return on that. So now I'm looking at, you know, how can I be creative? How can I partner with people where we can add value across our, um, our networks and therefore, you know, grow where you can possibly meet new people who maybe want to become a customer or perhaps or even just tell a friend. Absolutely. And with the partners too, driving a little bit deeper into that side of things, I mean, what are you looking for from partners? How are you going going about that? Because there's so many ways you can partner up. And like I'm something I'm looking for a lot with just go grind and thinking about kind of constantly with, you know, who aligns with my audience, who aligns with what I'm doing. I'm curious with you, how have you approached that just for other entrepreneurs, you know, who may be wondering about partnering to grow their business, finding ways that uh, of acquiring customers that are definitely cheaper than your typical Facebook, Instagram, which can add up really fast. How have you gone about the partnerships and what are you looking for? Yeah. So for me, I really looked at who also has my target customer in their community. And so with wine, you can think about a variety of different kind of peripheral um, potential customers. So, you know, I offer organic wines exclusively um, or natural and biodynamic, but kind of that sphere. So people who, you know, really value health, for example, could be a potential target customer for me. So I've reached out to some people in the health space to collaborate on some blog posts and some social media posts to say, hey, like, let's create content together and share it out to our audiences. Because, you know, a health coach, for example, would probably um, you know, be the perfect person to talk about, you know, how to get healthy for the holidays without giving up wine, <laughs> you know, an audience <laughs> would like that. My audience would love that. Um, you know, so really kind of creating, you know, doing guest posting for blogs, doing, um, takeovers for Instagram, those kind of, you know, no cost partnerships where we both get to add value. You know, I, I recently did a summer series with, um, some of my, favorite culinary sites, like the key ingredient, for example, uh, Simply Lakita to Taste Co, um, Sugarly. Um, so me and these four companies got together and did some like wine and food pairing um, webinars, where we taught people how to make great food and pair wine with it like a pro. 
and we were able to add value to our networks again. And it just, you know, cost the price of the Zoom webinar. It was, you know, <laughs> way cheaper than those ads. And so, um, and as I look to other partnerships, I just am constantly thinking about, you know, what is a what is a way that I can get in front of potential customers, add value so that they um, can trust me and, you know, think of me when they want to buy wine. With the webinar side of things as well, I mean, what are some things that go into a good webinar, things that have been successful for you? Because I've definitely heard of, you know, that strategy for companies before to grow and people thinking of, of growing their business through webinars. For you, what are some things that may be best practices that you found that have, have been effective that have worked well? Yeah. So for me, for the freemium webinar that comes before my paid wine course, I was really thinking about, you know, what would someone want to learn? What are the very basics? And I actually ended up creating a sort of like prerequisite course. So if you take this webinar, it really sets you up for success for the paid course. So what are some of the very basic things um, that people really want to know? And how do I add value? Because I've been on a lot of freemium webinars myself where they give you like 10 minutes of content and 50 minutes of a pitch. Yep. And I didn't, you know, it, it works. I've actually can been someone who like buys as a result, but it, it's not something that I personally can't, you know, feel good about. It's not something I personally like want to do. Um, and so my angle was really just saying, you know, how can I add the most value in one hour? So you walk away feeling instantly more confident about wine. And if you never take my class, you still have some good tools in your tool belt. Um, but it turned out that a lot of people were like, okay, great. This is a class for wine drinkers. I understand what she's talking about, her teaching style, the kind of concepts that we're going to get. Cause I do a small pitch at the end. It takes maybe like seven minutes, um, to talk about the six week course, the chapters you'll learn about the concepts you'll get. Um, and then people say, okay, I want to opt into that or no, this one hour was just fine. Um, and either way, fine with me. With the webinar as well, then, so understanding that that part of the business leads into the virtual course where people want to kind of go more into into learning about wine and everything as as well. Are you looking? I'm just, I was just thinking about the future of what you're, you're you're doing with the company as well. Are you looking to ramp up on the online course side of things more with the wine club? Is it evenly split? Uh, I'm just curious on how you're looking at kind of growth uh, moving forward with the company as well. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, my, my big goal of growth with the company right now is thinking about, you know, how do I grow? I'm laser focused on um, customer acquisition um, and just trying to grow the community. But when it comes to kind of different products, I'm trying to get more toward that kind of wine experience and at-home tasting experience. So, um, you know, with the wine class, I want to offer wines that you can, you know, follow along with. So it's kind of pairs the wine and the course directly um, to make it a little bit more specific, a little more targeted. Um, and I'd like to kind of move it to a place where, you know, people can kind of start cohorts of classes. And I have a Slack channel for my students where they can go on and, you know, talk about the concepts, join tasting groups and really create this like fun community. Um, I have asked, you know, had a couple people ask if I'm going to create like a, like an intermediate course. And so I, I, something I'm thinking about, but, um, you know, making a six week course is definitely really time consuming. I'm glad I had COVID space to do it. Yeah. <laughs> what else were we doing? Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, it, it's something where I definitely want to, with everything, every product that I offer, I want it to align to, um, going back to 
the value that I add, helping people drink great wine and learn about it. And there are so many ways to go about expanding a business. And that's why I'm kind of always curious about how entrepreneurs look at that, because whether it be going deeper on your, your current products, your current product lines, your current services, expanding into new ones. I mean, there's so many ways to go about that from a strategic standpoint. It's like how you mentioned laser focus, like how laser focus can you be on the things that matter? And many of the, the entrepreneurs I've interviewed who are probably the most successful are ones that have been able to focus on one thing at a time. And one thing that actually st- uh, comes to mind is I interviewed Austin Reef from The Morning Brew and they're a newsletter with over 2 million subscribers at this point. And you know, they started as just a newsletter, like one newsletter. They made it really engaging every day, very simple, very laser focused. Mm-hmm. And only after they had acquired a critical mass of sorts, I mean, thousands and thousands of subscribers, did they even then expand to another newsletter, for instance, and then they did different different category, and then they now they've launched a podcast, and now they're doing some other podcasts and stuff. But it all started that laser focus of one newsletter mm-hmm. every day, super focused. It was just entertaining and it was useful for people, and then they expanded. So uh, always curious about that as well. And uh, with, with your company as well, I mean, how have you looked at either either competition for ideas or for what you want to do with, with your company, how have you viewed competition overall? Yeah, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. I look at, you know, competition, but I also look at just the broader wine industry. And I think that wine in general is having a bit of an identity crisis. <laughs> and I see how my <laughs> competitors are trying to solve that problem in their own way. And I really do think that's great. I think that everything that new wine companies are doing and kind of the wine companies that are grabbing attention, um, I think the rising tide is going to raise all the ships when it comes to um, wine and the value of wine. Um, because when you think about you know the, the beverage industry as a whole, you've got to think about how the really hot seltzer market is eating away from potential wine customers because wine yeah. is no longer as trendy, right? It's not your beach drink anymore. Um, And so I see everyone's take on that and I'm, you know, I'm really supportive and I think a lot of companies are doing really good things, but my company is different for a few reasons. You know, I'm focusing on delivering great organic wines and teaching you how to appreciate them because I believe that wine is an experience or it can be. Um, and I, and I don't believe that there is one wine for you. You know, a lot of companies are doing the algorithm or the quizzes and things like that, um, to tell you what you like, but you know, I kind of think it's, you know, that's like telling you there's one box of cereal out there for you and you won't like any of the other ones. Um, for me, like I don't, I don't believe that. I think instead you can kind of learn the basics of wine or, you know, have someone share the background of the winemakers and how to taste it and what to look for. Um, so that you learn how to taste and then every glass becomes an experience and something to be enjoyed. Um, even if it's not your favorite wine that you'll buy again. Um, and the club and my class delivers on this. Um, and then I, I think one other big differentiator for me is that, um, my company exclusively supports other small businesses. Um, I work with small distributors and I work with small wineries around the world. Um, and it's, a lot of people want to support small businesses, but it's kind of hard. Like, how do you find them? Um, you know, how do you know what they're up to? You know, are they producing wines with purpose and organics and things like that? Um, so even if you want to shop small and believe in supporting small businesses, it can be difficult. But um, but this wine club makes it just a little bit easier. And 
So if you like to shop small, you can at least check wine off your list. <laughs> <laughs> and and for you on that note then, Rhonda, I mean, how are you sourcing your different your different wines? How are you going about finding which ones you want to work with? Uh, I'm really curious about that. Yeah. So it, it's actually kind of funny. I, I think back to when I was first starting the company and I'm like, okay, I need wines. Like how am I going to find these wines? And everyone was telling me they're interested in organic wines. And so, and I personally, that's what I drink too. So I'm like, all right, let's do this. I'll be the organic wine girl. Um, so I just went to a few places in town actually, and was like, Hey, like which distributors, um, you know, which distributors do you work with? And I, you know, would go to wine shops, turn the bottles around, see the distributors names on them. Cause they're all printed on the back and retailers have to buy from distributors. We can't buy from wineries directly. Uh, it's part of the law. Um, so, so I, yeah, so I had to look for these distributors, kind of the, the key, to finding what I want. And so I found some really great distributors like Bone Imports, Farm Wine Imports, Renascimento Wine Co. Um, and they have this really quirky, eclectic mix of organic, natural wines from around the world. And they do the fun job of, you know, flying to Italy, talking to the winemakers, and then they pass that information on to me and we do tastings. And so they line up, you know, 10, 15 bottles and we taste and, you know, so then we get to evaluate the product. They share the story, who makes the wine, how they make the wine. Um, I get to see what all the bottles look like because I know my customers do like a pretty label. <laughs> and I do too, who doesn't? Who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so I get to look at them all and then say, okay, as I'm curating for my wine club, which wines are going to be perfect for this season? What should people be drinking? What's really cool to try? Who's got a great story? Um, and then I get to pick out those wines. So of all the wines that I taste, um, I, I, you know, I get to pick my favorite eight and send them out every two months. <laughs> it's exactly pretty cool. So it's a, a lot of research, like, oh, I have to test more wines. This is for the company. I need to research yeah. this. So justification, that's amazing. Exactly. Poor and me. I have to taste all these wines. That really makes <laughs> me think that I should have a, a chocolate or ice cream company and be like, I need to taste. <laughs> this is for research. That would justify my choices, Rhonda. But uh, <laughs> alas, I digress. Um, and and with with your company as well, then, understanding that you have all, all the different things you're kind of working on with, with the wine club, with the uh, online course, I mean... Day to day, how are you looking at kind of short term execution versus long term planning? I'm curious. Yeah, you know what's kind of funny is a lot of people, I think, um, you know, maybe they're either long term thinkers or short term thinkers, or maybe some people have, you know, strike a balance. I certainly don't. I tend to get pretty caught up with the with the long term focus, and for me, it it ended up being something where I have to think about the short term and just understand that that's where I'm playing right now. And so, yeah. you know, I'm always thinking like, how will this scale? How do I get to 10,000 customers? You know, like what are, how do I get to this like big end state that I like to do? Right. And that, you know, in turn makes you uh, make decisions that you probably don't have to make right now. Like I don't have to choose a box or a fulfillment center or something like I can pack my boxes right now on my own. Probably can't do that when I have 10,000 customers, but right now <laughs> Um, but at first I was like, well, how do I create this so that it can scale? Um, and I was always kind of getting caught up in making decisions that, you know, were that I didn't have to make. I didn't have to go down this path. I could keep it a little more simple right now because I'm in a smaller phase right now. And luckily I can keep things a little simple. You know, it would have done me a lot better to think. Um, and now I do think this way when I like take a step back, which happens often. Um, <laughs> but I find that it is way more effective to think about 
you know, how can I best serve the customers that I have now? And how do I find my next customer? Not 10,000, just who is the next person? Yeah, and it goes back to kind of the idea of like thousand true fans, the article by Kevin Kelly and like making making something that people love, a thousand people love, and that that as creators or as, as business owners, that can be enough to kind of support you. And and it's so difficult because you're like doing things that don't scale, but understanding that you want to eventually scale potentially. So it's like a mix of, <laughs> of things, which is kind of a catch twenty two of sorts. And um, kind of on that note, I mean, what kind of traction today do you have? I mean, you've been in this uh, company around a year or so. You quit your job to do this full time. I'm just curious, I'm kind of where you're at today. Yeah, so you know, I I am now in the phase of being a revenue generating company, so yes. I'm super excited about that. <laughs> um, you know, definitely not profitable yet, unfortunately. Um, you know, it's it's just one of those things where it just costs a lot to run a business, um, yeah. from things that you don't even expect, from licensing to marketing, which is my biggest category of spend right now. Anyway, um, you know, so my my next big goal on traction is to just become profitable and then kind of grow up from there. As you look back on this the last year or so, I mean, you were you were at Caesars, this big company, leading them on the HR front and director of corporate talent and a variety of different positions. How have you looked at entrepreneurship as a founder now, with that experience in mind that you went from this big company to now you're a founder? Is it what you expected? No, <laughs> not at all. Um, it is it is totally different, actually. I, you know, I. It's kind of funny. I say all the time I, you know, had my whole job was spent, you know, just talking to people and helping people, engaging people. And I, you know, I kind of was like, okay, you know, I'm really ready to be a solopreneur and not talk to anyone. <laughs> I'm really <laughs> ready for that. And, um, you know, it was kind of nice for a while. It was a good break. But, you know, then you start to kind of have these moments where every idea is your idea, you know, like you have the right answer or you don't. Right. And, and so being a solopreneur was definitely more challenging um, than I expected. I kind of thought, you know, the collaboration that's required, the bureaucracy that comes along with kind of big companies and those kind of things like, yeah, that slows you down, but you really do um, benefit from having great touch points. But luckily I've got great friends, great customers who like to give me feedback um, and so whether it's like, hey, maybe you should think about, you know, changing your price from every two months to one month because it just, you know, you don't get sticker shock. Like that is valuable feedback that I act on. Um, and so, you know, like it is a little bit of what I expected. Like I love to be nimble. Like I change the copy on my website all the time or I add a new product and I'm able to like be very nimble, um, yeah. which is what I was hoping to do. But, um, you know, the the teamwork aspect I do miss for sure. Um, and then I thought I was going to move away from bureaucracy, but I chose wine. So, you know, regulations and paper galore. Um, yeah. so I didn't really walk away from that, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's, it's definitely as exciting as I expected it to be. And it is much more rewarding than I ever imagined it would be. One of the things you mentioned there with the customers, and we talked about this a little bit, but I want to dive a little bit deeper into that. How are you getting feedback and kind of incorporating that feedback from customers uh, as you're building your business? Because that's, I mean, that's what you're building it for is the people. There's people at the end of this. How are you kind of incorporating that into what you do day to day? Exactly. Um, You know, it's, you you nailed it on the head. I mean, what I am doing is delivering for my customers. And I, I, I think that because, you know, I do come from this hospitality background where you are serving someone and making sure that they have an awesome experience. So it's it's really just ingrained in who I am coming from um, a big company like Caesars in Vegas. Um, 
but I, I get the feedback by just emailing my customers, right? Like I had some people in my class and I emailed like, what did you like? Um, you know, what could I have done differently? What would you like next time? Like, you know, what, now that you've completed the course, what can I do? Like, you know, how can, how can we make this better? Like, what are you looking for now? Did you like it? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and people write back and they tell me all the good things like, oh, you know, I was able to connect with my cousin virtually. We took the class together. This is amazing. Um, but then they also share the feedback like, hey, there was a little glitch in chapter five or, you know, it would really be great if you could send the wines. Um, and kind of feedback like that. So then, you know, I can incorporate that into whatever I'm going to release next. Um, but also, um, a lot of my customers are people that I meet, again, through networking. So it's people who, you know, I, I'm i so fortunate, but people who want to see me succeed. And so they want to give feedback to say like, hey, you know, if you charge me every two months, you know, I'm going to have a little sticker shock. I think about a wine club and I think about it, even though, you know, yours is bi-monthly, I just think about a monthly wine club. And so like, it just really throws me off. And so, you know, I just take that feedback in and test it out and try it. And it, and it all comes down to people who are just generous enough to share your feedback and being courageous enough to ask for it and flexible enough to act on it. And people are a huge part of obviously growing and learning from them, but I'm a big reader. So I always have to ask, are there any particular books, whether it be personal or professional that have been really impactful for you along the way? Yeah, actually. Um, I love Traction um, by Gabriel Weinberg and Justin Mars. Um, that book I refer back to all the time. It has a ton of different like marketing strategies that you know, cost money, don't cost money, creative, um, standard. And so that book has been something that as I'm trying to grow and get traction, it's been a huge help. And then for you as well, as you're, as you're an entrepreneur, it can be so crazy, especially as a kind of solopreneur, how do you recharge or step away from work? Yeah, I, I love to spend time outdoors, you know, nature, it's been proven. It's great for <laughs> your mindset. Um, you know, I love to, you know, go for a walk on the beach, you know, I'm from the Los Angeles area. So, you know, super fortunate to be able to do that, but, you know, do bike rides, go out for hikes. Um, you know, my fiance and I like to walk around the neighborhood and just, you know, just recharge and, um, just spend some time away from your desk, which is, you know, easier said than done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And especially in the current COVID times as well. It's like taking that break, finding a different spot to even a different spot to work from or even like for me, it's like not even just stepping away from work completely. It's like, where do I work? If I work in the same spot every day, I also get kind of like antsy. So it's like we're, you know, switching up locations, whatever it may be, finding ways to get through and survive well, exactly. and keep going. Well, you know, one of the things like your environment inspires you so much. And so, you know, before COVID, I was, you know, going to different coffee shops and just driving around and going to different places. And you just, you have an opportunity to like, think a little differently. And so just being at your desk every day, it is challenging because it's, you know, you don't get the, all those same like inputs and bits of inspiration. Yeah, exactly. And one of the last things I want to just talk about, because I think it's a unique kind of uh, situation, you're a solo founder, but you're also, you have this influence of people mentioning, oh, raising funds or other people are considering it. I'm just curious as to right now, being in this moment where you're you're so off on it right now. You're good with that. You're, I'm just curious. What are you? What are you thinking about in terms of growing a team bigger? In terms of potentially raising funds? You know, I'm where you Where's your head at with everything, Rhonda? Yeah, I mean, good question. I ask myself this all the time. 
Um, you know, I just think about, you know, if I can bootstrap and get my company to a place where, you know, I'm, I'm profitable, do I need to get funding? Do I need to give a portion of my company away? Um, or do I need to, you know, go, you know, cause, cause funding comes with strings attached, right? Like no one gives you money yeah. free. Like if I could get a grant, I would totally do it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but with funding, like there are just decisions and compromises and, you know, maybe it's not a huge portion of your company, but maybe they, um, you know, you get someone who wants to be really involved and, you know, has an opinion that is, you know, changes the, the course of your company. And so like, do you really want to, um, do you really want to go through that? Do you have to? And so for me, if I can um, bootstrap my company to a place where I get to a, a good number where, you know, I'm, I'm able to live my life, get a salary and run my company. For me, like, I think that that ultimately is the dream because a lot of people also ask me like, you know, do you want to get bought by a bigger company? Do you want to exit or something like that? And for me personally, the answer is no. Like I <laughs> really want to run a really fun, successful wine company. And I want to do that for the rest of my life. And so like, I don't want to get bought out. That's, you know, it's not what I want to do. Yeah. And then, I mean, to that point, it's like understanding that because if you get bought out, potentially it's like, okay, well now what, you know, now what? <laughs> that can be exciting. That can also be terrifying for companies. And you, you hear about different founders who maybe sold a company. They spent, you know, years and years building, they raised funding, they sold it. They're wealthy, but they're very much so struggling with their life after that. Cause it's like, what do I do? And like, money doesn't solve all problems, more money, more problems. It's like right. there are issues with that as well. And I think one of the things I kind of harp on, on the show and, and always go back to is as a founder, understanding what you want, like what outcome do you want? And whether that be running your company for forever or for many, many years and having that control and just enjoying that process. Great. Whether you are going into it, understanding you're eventually going to want some type of exit. Like there's just so many things that as a founder, like to keep in mind at least as you're building, because there are different things. And if you know, you want that huge exit, potentially it's like, okay, well, you need to raise funds. <laughs> it's a little yeah. bit different potentially. So well, exactly. something to keep in mind. Well, and, and the other thing too, is it's always okay to change your mind. If tomorrow I decide that fundraising is a better idea, then you know you yeah. can go off and do that. And it, it's just always, one of my big lessons that I've learned is you can chart a path, but that is not where you're going to go. <laughs> um, <laughs> everything's going to change. And so you just have to kind of adapt and be flexible and, um, you know, just kind of see where it all takes you and just not be so um, tied to the initial idea that you had, because it's okay to change. It's okay to follow a new path and, you know, use a better idea that comes. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the environment changes. I mean, a year ago, I was literally just looking on Instagram before uh, I was at a tailgate with with a hundred hundreds of people at USC. And that <laughs> is a much different scenario this year. Like the world changes, everything changes and uh, being able to adapt and understand that, yeah, you may want something different tomorrow is I think also important. Yeah. And looking back uh, on your last year or so here with, with running the company and changing things and uh, adapting, has there been any particular or lesson or takeaway you want to share with other entrepreneurs? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I actually had someone call me uh, from Caesars the other day. She's interested in starting her own company. And, uh, you know, and I'm always supportive of people who call and say, like, how did you do what you're doing? Um, and I just she had all these ideas and she was ready to just quit right there on the spot and like go for her dreams. And I'm all about that. But, you know, the advice that I told her was just think to yourself, 
if you quit tomorrow, what would you do? (laughs) (laughs) Like, would you have a plan? Um, You know, map out like, what is your first 30 days, 60 days? Um, And and I explained to her kind of an example, because I learned this the hard way. Um, you know, if, if there are any lengthy waiting periods, figure that out while you're still getting a paycheck. Um, and the example I gave her was, you know, it took seven months for me to get my wine sales license. And I started that after I quit my job. And so it would have been way better to get a paycheck for those seven months while I was just kind of waiting. Um, and so, you know, just knock that out first. Um, and once you're ready, then take the leap and don't look back. Um, you know, that, that would be my advice. Cause once you go down your path, like don't quit now, you already did the hard and scary thing, you know, <laughs> go for it. Yeah. And, and to that point too, I think it's a matter of like committing to it. Cause once you, once you go, you're, you're in there. <laughs> like, I mean, yes, you can, you can, in theory, like it's, it's like you have a safety net in some ways because in theory, anyone could get a job again, right? Like yeah. the, that is, I guess, an option, but at the same time, if you're not kind of fully committed to it, once you do take the leap, you're not going to have the best chance of success at least, but uh, lots to talk about with that. But yeah. where, where could people go to learn more about The Wine Party Company? Yeah. So you can find us on our website, www.thewinepartyco.com, or you can check us out on Instagram at The Wine Party Co. Um, and so that's where we are. Awesome. I'll be sure to link that all up in the show notes as well. Just go grind.com slash podcast. And Rhonda, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Yeah. And again, thank you so much for having me. I so enjoyed our conversation. This episode is brought to you by Hawk Media, a full-service outsourced CMO based in Santa Monica, California, providing guidance, planning, and execution to grow brands of all sizes, industries, and business models. Hawk Media is recognized by Inc. as one of the fastest-growing marketing consultancies, and their collaborative process, a la carte offering, and month-to-month fee structure give clients the flexibility they need to boost digital revenues, and marketing ROI. Hawk Media, the company, has serviced over 1,500 brands of all sizes, ranging from startups like Tomorrow Melon, SIO Beauty, and Bottle Keeper, to household names like Red Bull, Verizon Wireless, and Alibaba. And also, I had the founder and CEO of Hawk Media, Eric Huberman, on the podcast in episode number 23, if you want to take a listen. And to get a free consultation, head on over to hawkmedia.com, and be sure to mention Just Go Grind. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you justgrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.